turn to your neighbor and say, you look good. Also, turn to your neighbor and say, you look good. You look good. Come on, you, Sarah auntie, you look good. I'm going to call some of our aunties and amachis today. You look good. Praise the Lord. It's such a joy to just be in the house of the Lord. Babu uncle, you look good. There is nobody around you. That's why I had to say that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's our joy to be in the house of the Lord. It's our joy to do life together. Isn't this beautiful? And today, honestly, honestly, when I don't see our church families, I miss them so badly. Not because our team is empty, but simply because I don't get to see them. And last week, I was in Arizona church. I was ministering there, but my heart was connected here. It's, I don't think it's a good sign, but I think it is again a good sign that my heart was here. I'm like, what is my church family doing? And as 11 o'clock, the clock ticked and, you know, um, you know, my watch gave me the notification and I was going through all the group me messages that our worship team was putting up. They're like, okay, right now the worship is happening. Right now the end song. Right now the message. And I was just, my heart was completely here. But thank you so much for praying. Thank you so much for, you know, uh, supporting. And some of you all just called and prayed as we were ministering there. Uh, uh, you know, last week when I was ministering, I was in Arizona church uh, almost five years ago, almost six years ago when I first came to the United States. The Lord has helped me and Anisha to start a Hindi fellowship in the, in the Arizona church. And when we started the Hindi fellowship, we had the first two two converts that we had to the Hindi fellowship was from uh, a, 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 two of them from the Brahmin background. One was a Kashmiri Pandit. He was around 80 years old and only 20% of his lungs could work. So the, that was my first believer in Arizona. Only 20% of his lungs could work and he used to come to our services with a, what do you call that? The oxygen cylinder. So he used to come with that big oxygen cylinder uh, and, and travel and we used to keep the meetings only in ground floors just because he cannot climb the stairs at the early stages but he was the first convert uh, as a uh, you know Kashmiri Pandit as the, and, and the interesting what happens the reason why he chose to come to our church after that was 20% of his lungs that was working the church prayed we fasted and prayed for this man and by and and they there you know they came back with the doctor's certificate saying the lung capacity for nearly 30 35 years he was walking around with his oxygen cylinders and his lung worked only 20% but after the prayer the Lord started giving him more I mean I don't know the medical terms but he started breathing more effectively he's actually honestly I started seeing him for a satsang services even without an oxygen cylinder isn't that amazing isn't that amazing? That's how God works. And that, uh, that this person, he's, he's a well-to-do, wealthy man, owns a lot of motels and hotels. Uh, uh, and his wife is a, a pediatrician. She worked for many years. They're well-to-do, well-settled family. They used to be the uh, satsang, Punjabi satsang leaders or in Arizona. But the Lord touched their life and this miracle made them come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. They have been, uh, they have been serving the Arizona community community, the satsang fellowship that we started for almost five years. But unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, uh, just a couple of months ago, uh, you know, he, he went to be with the Lord. And the second convert that I had, uh, he was not really a convert, but he was kind of in and out. You, you all, you all, you'll understand, it's kind of in and out. When I, he sees me, he says, hallelujah. When he doesn't say me, he, he sees me, he would say, Jai Shri Ramki. 
you know, that kind of, that kind of believer for many years. But slowly the Lord started touching him. And I don't know if you know Pastor Roy Cherian. He's the brother-in-law of Pastor Roy Cherian. He used to be, some of us from India, we would know, he used to be the, the, the secretary or, you know, uh, in top level in the Congress party, assisting, uh, you know, uh, one of the Congress main leaders uh, uh, there. But the Lord touched him. He became a good member of the satsang community. Uh, unfortunately, again, four months ago, four, three months ago, uh, this man of God, Brother Sharma, he passed away. And my, it was, uh, you know, my joy to meet with the families. And also I was grieving in my heart as I was meeting with them. Uh, and I pray that your prayers will continue to be effective for the Satsang Fellowship. I would say, honestly, all are baby Christians. All are baby Christians. Pudhiya Vishwasigal. Every single person is a new believer. A lot of Punjabis. Our Apachan just asked me, Pastor, when are you bringing all these Punjabis in Dallas? I'm like, I am praying for the right time. I, my heart is, is so effective. Tonight, I am visiting a family uh, in McKinney area and I'm going to pray for them. The Lord is about to change their life. If you know, I would ask you to pray for us. They have a lot of demonic oppression in their family around midnight, 3 o'clock 3 30 the young boy around eight years old he wakes up and he cuts himself he takes a knife cuts himself there's a lot of demonic oppression that the family has been going through uh, but um you know they have asked the church to pray i'll be visiting uh, them with some of our prayer warriors um you know in mckinney area we'll be visiting them but i want to ask the church to pray too because i i believe the lord is opening doors the lord is connecting the lord is doing there are so many people around in our city who needs the touch of jesus isn't that true how about I cancel today's service and I ask our people, let's go out into the streets and pray for five people. I don't think anybody will come next week if I do that. So as a pastor, even though I challenge myself sometimes, but honestly, we need to do things that are out of the routine, out of the norm. What is the use if we come, you know, just to two songs, one word, and we go back. Let's do something that challenges our faith. Let's intentionally do something that actually questions the authority and the unction, the anointing that the Lord has given. Each one of you here, no matter what age group you belong to, but you are an anointed vessel of the Almighty God. Hallelujah. You may speak the language here. You may have the better. I am not from Dallas. I was not born and raised here. I am just faking my accent. Can I speak to you in my original Bangalore? Not my Bangalore accent? Praise the Lord. But honestly, all God needs is your heart and your commitment. That how you could serve Him. So it doesn't matter. Some of our Amachis are always like, Pastor, I cannot speak to them because I don't speak their language. But my Amachis would say, whenever I visit them, I, that breaks my heart. They would say, Pastor, I am praying. I am praying. And I want to, as a pastor of the church, thank you so much for doing what you could do. Because that gives me the strength to stand boldly where I could. Because I know I don't do it by myself. I have a group of volunteers, prayer warriors who support, who stand and who intercede because there are so many people out in the world that needs a touch of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was visiting a family recently. I'm not going to mention their name. And they, they were in the, they were at the, uh, the India Bazaar on Plano Road. Uh, and they were mentioning, Pastor, I was just walking by. I was just walking by and this auntie told me, uh, uh, you know, as I was walking by, I sensed in my spirit, I sensed it, this is the word, I sensed in my spirit that that person needs a touch of Jesus. This auntie told me, I sensed in my spirit 
that that person needs a touch of Jesus. And even though my, uh, because of language barriers, because of the cultural norms, I kept myself away. But something in me pushed me to talk to that person. Are you trying to understand me? Something in me pushed me that I would go and talk to that person. And I spoke and I prayed for that. Isn't that amazing? I would ask you, church, this week, the Lord will prompt you to pray for someone. Maybe fast for someone. Or even if the Lord shows you a vision that go pray for that brother or sister, I would challenge my church that take a day off if you want. Go pray for that person. And let me assure you, heaven backs you up. And heaven will back you up in a way that you will walk in with the favor of God and their lives will be changed. That is what God in the Bible wants us to do. We've been reading the book of James. We've been doing a meditation and understanding to the book of James. The book of James is where I want to tie up with what I was just mentioning. Is that faith without deeds is worthless. Dead. Faith without deeds. Faith without work is dead. A lot of us talk about faith. In our messages we have a lot about faith. But what does our faith help us to do? Faith should help you move forward in your life. Faith should always make you push, push you to do something. Praise the Lord. What, I mean, there is no value of our faith if we come here and sit here and talk about What are we doing? What are we doing with that faith? Faith should push you to do something that is impossible. Faith should push you to get out of the normal and push you to do things that are never have will ha never will happen in your own sense. Praise the Lord. Are you trying to understand this? Faith should push you from your limitations. From your boundaries. Oh, come on, somebody. This morning, Pastor was mentioning about the scripture. And I love the scripture. And soon after that, I'm going to back into my scripture that I want to mention. Pastor was mentioning about five loaves, two fish. How many loaves? Five loaves, two fish. Right? They came to Jesus. And what did the disciples ask Jesus to do? Send these people. Send these people away. Why? Because there is no food here. Jesus asked them, what can we do to these people? What did the disciples say? There is no food, send them away. That is the word of some really stupid disciples that we see. Come on, somebody. And that is what sometimes we do all the time. That we push people away. All Jesus asked them was, what can we do? What can we do? I want to bring your attention towards the Old Testament, right? In the Old Testament, you see one prophet. The Lord gave him a vision and the Lord took him to the valley of dry bones. The Lord asked him one thing, what do you see? You know what Ezekiel, the prophet, the man of God, under the vision and the anointing of God, what he mentioned, he said, only you know, Lord, what can be done. What can we do? They said, Lord, we cannot do anything. Send them away. That is the difference between your revelation that comes with your faith. 
There should be a sense of revelation. No matter, I am in the valley of dry bones, but my Lord is on my side. I might be in a wilderness. There might be no source that I find, but I know the revelation that comes from the faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Faith pushes you to do something. Faith gives you a new realm, a revelation. Hallelujah. And that is our, so we, we talk about faith. In today's culture, faith is about people ask you, what's your faith? I am a Christian. What's your faith? I am a Hindu. What's your faith? I'm a Muslim. No, no, no. Faith is something that drives you to do the impossible. Hallelujah. And at least that's what the word of God will help us to understand. Faith pushes you. People said you can do it. You cannot conquer it. But let your faith push you to do the impossible. And under the anointing of heaven, there is no force in the entire world that can stand against the purpose and the power of heavenly father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Number two, faith gives you a revelation. Every situation is going to be different. The disciples had a situation of giving food. Eli sorry, Elijah had his situations where he was questioned by the king. But faith pushed him to do the impossible. What did he do? Only one prayer. Only one prayer. Fire came from heaven. Praise the Lord. Faith will push you. And I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I know this season, some of you are going to use the faith that God has planted in your heart. And you are going to pray like never before. You're going to fast like never before. And your life will see an exuberant work of heaven working over your life to see something that was impossible into the human nature. But God is going to do it for you. Why? Because we believe in the power of heaven and our faith pushes us to do the impossible. My revelation. Today, what's your revelation about Jesus? What's your revelation about Jesus? I'm so happy today that I have uh, my, uh, my brother visiting uh, from India. He is here for the very first time. Samson, can you stand up? I want everybody to see you and I put you in this awkward position right now. That is my younger brother, Sam. Uh, thank you so much, Samson. God bless you. God bless you. Um, only now, I, because I have the mic, I can pick on him, right? <laughs> God bless him. Today I want to talk about from James chapter 2 verse 13. It's about mercy triumphs judgment. Mercy triumphs judgment. We are a community who are very fast, very quick to judge people. But we never operate in mercy. God wants us to be people of mercy. In fact, in New Testament, in the Mount preaching that Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus in his saying, he said, blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are merciful. So God in the Bible wants us to be a people who are merciful. Operate in mercy. Because the Bible says, if you operate in mercy, I will show my mercy to you. Do not be quick in judging others. Because if you judge others, you will be judged the same way 
you judge. Have you ever read the scriptures? You will be judged the same way you judge others. And today, to the understanding, and I'm, I'm, in the book of James, I'm going very slow. And we, in, it's been four weeks. We are still in chapter two. And slowly, I want to go into that. But I want you to follow with me. Let this word change us, right? Let this word change us. In through the book of James, now he talks about speak James chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn it. Come on. Don't just sit like that. Take your Bibles. Turn it with me. James chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 and 13. I'm going to read it for you. It says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Number one, the law that gives freedom. Praise the Lord. All of us... We hate the law. People, I have heard people say, and mentioned this a lot of time, rules are meant to be broken. We don't love to abide by rules. We don't love the so-called laws and system. But here the word helps us to understand the law that gives you the freedom. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We have laws around in our community. I am thankful for the laws that the Texas government has placed. If not, there would be utter chaos in our city as we drive around. Is that true? But we have freedom under the law that has been placed so that you and me know what to do when life throws us into hazardous or dangerous situations. Here in the scripture, James is talking about speak and act as though who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Verse 13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has never been merciful. Are you trying to understand this? So what is Bible helping to understand? Bible is teaching us that we need to be people who show mercy to others. What is mercy? I want to bring your attention here. Mercy and grace, there are a difference between that. Now, mercy and grace are often confused. While the terms have similar, similar meanings, grace and mercy are not the same. To summarize the difference, mercy is God not punishing us for our sins that we deserve. And grace is God's blessings despite the fact that we do not deserve it. So mercy is about God not punishing us even though we deserve. And grace is that God blessing us even though we don't deserve. Are you trying to understand this? So in a regular norms in our city life here, we have to understand that as we look into the protocols, if somebody commits any mistake, they are punished. Is that true? If somebody murders or gets into a, 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 a you know, car wreckage or something like that, you know, accident or something like that, you know, we see according to the judicial system, they have to go through the justice, right? And justice is about right or wrong. That is in the sense of the appointed leader. Justice is about giving you what you deserve, what you have done, committed. You, they give you justice on basis of that. Maybe two years, three years, whatever, whatever, whatever. But mercy is about covering all that you have committed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Covering all that you have committed is showing mercy to yourself. And that is the work of heaven that we see. In the Garden of Eden, there were two people who committed the sin. 
Because the one man's sin that entered the world is what the Bible would help us to understand. Are you trying to understand? In the Garden of Eden, we see Adam and Eve committed sin. What happened? When they committed sin, one thing, the first thing that they noticed was they were, what, what happened? They were naked. When they committed sin, the first thing that they noticed was they were naked. When God came to visit them, what is the first thing God did? He covered their nakedness. Why? It is the God's way of showing mercy. You have committed what you want to commit. But the mercy of God comes to cover that. And give you a, a clean slate over your past. People may hold on to that for years and years. But when you come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He covers that. And that is the work of the mercy of God. You should have been judged according to the laws of the world. You should have been killed right there. But it is the mercy of God that you and me gather in this house. It is the mercy of God that every weekend we can come to the house of the Lord. We can throw our hands up in the air. We can say, God, I want to thank you for your mercy. For your mercy. How much more merciful we should be when we have obtained the mercy. What is the word in mercy in Malayalam? I think it is Karuna. How much more you know, we should be filled with the mercy of God for people around us. Something that is wrong about our culture, about the people that we, wherever we come from, but is that we are quick to judge. We're quick to, the moment we see something wrong, we just want to cut them down, put them down, throw them astray. My Bible does not help us to show mercy on their life. Hallelujah. Show mercy on their life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How much more merciful. And you know what the Bible says? If you don't show mercy, God will not show mercy on your life. When? It talks about the second coming of Jesus. It talks about the last judgment day. It talks about when you don't show mercy to the others. My father in heaven, he will never show mercy on people like that. But Bible help us to understand, show mercy on people. Hallelujah. And your mercy should make you do something, prompt you to do something. You just don't say, I have mercy on you. The, the court will never say, you know what? You have found mercy of the court, you of the law. And just say that blank statement. No, they would say, you know what? Hereafter, we cancel everything that you have done. You walk outside freely. And they write a letter. They sign on that paper. And today let me just share this one thing with all of us. When you walk outside, see somebody who needs the mercy of God. Show godly mercy over their life. That you will intentionally walk with them, do life with them. Not just throw them under the bus all the time. Because they just committed something that you did not think about. But show mercy. Let's be a community that doesn't judge people. Because this is not what I am saying. This is what the Bible is saying. Let's just be people whom what the Bible helped us to understand. Right? And as we look forward, we see that mercy triumphs over judgment all the time. Mercy. If you keep mercy and judgment are, 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 are running a race, it is mercy that will win. The law of the world will talk about justice, but the law of Bible talks about mercy. In the Old Testament, 
in the Old Testament, anybody who committed an adultery or any, sorry, not adultery, anybody who committed a murder, they had refuge homes. They had refuge cities, cities of refuge where these people would run into. And if they, these people run into those places, nobody can touch them. Are you trying to understand this? They might have committed whatever murder, whatever atrocity, but even once they get into the city of refuge, nobody can question them. I am thankful that we are part of this city of refuge, that Christ himself is the cornerstone. Praise the Lord. This city of refuge that I'm talking about, the church of Christ, not just Zion, the church of Christ. The New Testament church of Christ is the city of refuge that God has placed, that we have walked into it. Oh, come on somebody. Bible says, He is the door. Who is the door? Jesus is the door. We walk through Him and we are finding our salvation. We are saved. Does it make sense? So what happens when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? What happens when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You're walking to the door of hope. You're walking to the door of life. You're walking into the city of refuge. And after that, no man, no person, no power can any time question your integrity. Why? Because now you are in the household of Jesus Christ. He is the door. And that's what happens with us being baptized. We go into the water. We come back. Our, we are denying the old self. We are dead to the old life. We come back as a new person. What happens? We are inviting the mercy of God to bless our life and have the mercy of God show grace on our life that it blesses us even when we don't deserve it. That is what happened when you and I were baptized. When we accepted Jesus as our personal savior, that is what has happened. We have walked into the city of refuge. And again, what is the city of refuge? The city of refuge is about heaven. Hallelujah. And I pray, I pray that through the work that the Lord has asked you to do in our community, through the work and your interactions in this world, I pray and I declare in Jesus' name that you will hold hands with people and show mercy on their life and walk them into the city of refuge that heaven is all about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let us walk them into the city of refuge. Show mercy over their life. You know, I want to bring your attention to words. In the Old Testament, there's this guy that I love the most. His name is David. Beautiful guy. The story of David and all these leaders, we preach about these guys, right? We preach about the good stuff they have done. But can, you, can I also tell, they were all fallen heroes. They fell down too. But something in them was, even when they fell down from the grace and the mercy of God, they came back to God. And if they have found themselves, walk back to God, they have found the favor of God yet again. And Bible, in David, in the Psalms, it would say, Lord, your mercy is new every morning. Your mercy is new every morning. I cannot still live with the mercy that you showed yesterday because I live in a wretched world. I need your mercy today. Praise the Lord. Your mercy is new every single day. 
David is a person who understood the mercy of God. I want to bring your attention towards a scripture portion. Let's read quickly. 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 9. 2 Samuel chapter number 9 and verse 1 onwards. 2 Samuel chapter number 9 verse, verse 1 onwards. It says, I'm going to read it for you. It says, later on, David asked, Is there anyone left alive from Saul's household to whom I can show gracious love in memory of Jonathan. It's about if I can show grace over somebody's life. It's about is there anyone that I can show kindness? Is there anyone in Saul's family that I can show my mercy? Is there anyone? Is there anyone over whom, over whose life I can show kindness? Is there any single one that I can show kindness? Is the question David asked. He didn't have to do that. He's the ruler, the king. He's the emperor. People tried to overthrow him. He didn't have to do it. But he knew one thing. Saul was anointed and appointed by God. And I want to be a king that shows mercy. Praise the Lord. Leadership grows only when you show mercy on people. That unites your kingdom together. Show mercy on people. Praise the Lord. Do not be that community. Let's not be that individuals that are quick to judge and keep and throw them out. It is easy for us. We don't have to do with the drama. But for David, he asked this question. Is there anybody in the house of Saul that I can show mercy? That I can show my kindness. As we look into that scripture. And today as I'm reading this verse. You have to understand this is the same verse. Maybe today it's coming out of my mouth. Or reading through the scriptures. Helping you to understand. Is there anybody that you could show your kindness to. Your mercy to. And verse 2. A household servant of Saul. Named Ziba. Was called to appear before David. And the king asked him. Are you Ziba? Not Reba. Are you Ziba? At this the king asked, Isn't there still someone left from Saul's household to whom I may show God's gracious love, his kindness? And they said, There's Jonathan's son. He is maimed. He has maimed feet. Ziba answered. So David asked, Where is he? Ziba responded, He is in Lodebar at the home of of Amiel's son, Makir. At this king David sent him, sent word for him, brought him from the home of Amiel's son. When Mephibosheth, his name is Mephibosheth, when Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son and grandson of Saul, approached David, he threw himself on his feet, on his face, out of respect. Mephibosheth, David said as he greeted him, Hello. I am your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David reassured him, because I am going to show gracious love to you in memory of your father, Jonathan. I am going to restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always have a place at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down low and asked, Who am I, your servant, that you would pay attention to a dead dog like me. At this the king called for Saul servant Ziba and told him. I am restoring to your master's grandson. 
everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your servants are to farm the land on his behalf and bring in the crops in order to provide for your master's grandson. The scripture that we mentioned and talked here talks about Jesus Christ. The story of David here talks about the life of Jesus himself. David asks, this is the question David is asking, is there anybody in Jonathan's house that I can show my mercy? You know why? You know why? So that he can come sit at my table. Sit at my table. My friends are church folks today. I want to assure you. You and me were not worthy to sit at the table of Jesus Christ. But it is the kindness and the mercy of heaven that you and me can be partakers. Next week we have Holy Communion. You have to understand this. Every time we extend our hands towards that holy table, you and me were not worthy of it. But it is the mercy of heaven that He allowed us to be partakers of that holy table. Not because of my merit, my understanding. Not because of my wealth or my family background. But it is the mercy of heaven that is the grace of Jesus Christ that He gave His life. He shed His blood that you you and me could be at the table of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is His mercy alone. It is His mercy alone. Hallelujah. David is asking this question. Is there anybody? Anybody? That I can show my mercy? That I can show my grace? I'm going to ask you, is there anybody that you could show your mercy among your Snapchat contacts? Your Instagram contacts, your Facebook contacts? Is there anybody that you could show the mercy of God in your school system? Oh, come on. Hallelujah. David is asking, is there anybody in Jonathan's house that I can show my mercy? That is the heart of a king. Who are we? We are the royal priesthood. Children of the most high God. You have to understand. You know what David is saying? I want to give back everything that belongs to Saul. You know why Jesus came? Jesus came to restore everything that the devil has taken from your hand. What happened in the Garden of Eden when the devil came to trick them? All authority that was given to Adam to rule over, all authority that was given to Eve to rule over the planet was taken. That the authority, that the keys of authority that was taken away in a crafty way by the devil. But the work of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross just proves us that he came down. To restore us back into that kingly dominion. To restore us back into our lost authority. Why did he have to do it? He did it because inheritance wise it belonged to us from creation. We lost it. We lost it. But mercy gives you something. Mercy always gives you something. It gives you a chance. Mercy gives you a chance. Hallelujah. 
What about a person who commits something and he goes to the justice, the judicial law here? What happens? The court will give him his punishment that he deserves. Think about it. Think about it. If the court says that, you know what? We give you mercy. You have found favor in our eyes. You're so good. We give you mercy. We cut down the, the, the law and we give you mercy. You can walk out freely, right? What if the next week the person commits the same thing? Right? A couple of, couple of days back, a couple of uh, months ago, during a Tuesday night prayer, I'm not going to share that story because somebody will be scared and they will never come for a Tuesday night prayer. Let me... <laughs> I'm going to go quickly into the next verse that I want to, I want to, I want to share here. It so, talks about Mephibosheth continued to live in Jerusalem, always eating at the king's table. Somebody who is maimed in his feet, sin has crippled you, sin has destroyed your life, sin has put you in a naked position. But here in the scriptures, Bible talks about Mephibosheth sat at the table of the king. Oh, he was not worthy for it. You know what he said? What did he say about himself? What did he say? Who am I? I am a dead. I am a dead dog. Who am I? That you are showing your mercy over my life. What do, you, what do we do about dead dogs? Do we care about it? No, how cute the dog is. You go pat up. No, you don't do it. What do you do? You take it and you throw it out. You bury it. You, in India, you would just throw it wherever you want. In America, you have pet cemeteries. You will have places to bury them or do something good and cute. But again, you don't, you don't go and sit along and say, how cute the dog is. No, you don't do it. It's of no use. That's what you do with the dead dog. And Mephibosheth here, that is the story of Mephibosheth is the story of human life. Praise the Lord. You have to see and look the parallel of that life with our life. The story of Mephibosheth is the story of our life. A sinful, wretched life. But the story does not end him being in his sinful ways. The story ends that he was seated at the table of the king. And Bible helps us to understand all the days of his life, he sat down with the king. And today, today, I know here, all of us, we are righteous in the sight and image of Jesus Christ. Walking in the rightful inheritance of Jesus. But there are many others. There are many others. If I can have the worship team behind me. There are many others who needs the touch of heaven. Who needs a touch of heaven's mercy. That they could sit along with you. Next Sunday we have Holy Communion. We come prepared ourselves. Because we receive the mercy of heaven. That we can extend our hands towards it. But there are many people in our workplaces. In our schools. In our colleges. That they have not yet received the mercy of heaven. Let's pray. Our acts will lead them to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Mercy triumphs judgment. Be a person who is merciful. Let mercy just not be a word that you use all the time. Let it be the actions that come out of your life. What do you do with the mercy of God? Next time you see somebody who has offended you in your past, talk to them. Be with them. Next time you find a phone call from somebody who has previously offended you, show mercy over their life. You don't know the time. God will change one situation for you. My God is a working God and He will change things around. Hallelujah!
Praise the Lord. Just because things didn't happen the way I imagined, that doesn't mean God is not working. He is always, always. Bible says in Psalms, my God neither sleeps nor slumbers. He is a working God. He's working on our behalf. He is asking us this season of our life. From the book of James, the meditation of our scriptures, let us prompt us to change the lifestyle. And when I'm talking to some of our folks here, I know some of us have been born in a Pentecostal church, born in a church setting, lived our life a good Christian. But still, there are areas where you can show mercy to somebody's life. Hallelujah. Can we all stand up? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Let's look to the Lord in prayer as we sing that last song and the offering buckets are passed around. Before that, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we understand that we have received the mercy of heaven. We have received your mercy. Father, we pray the mercy that we have received. Oh yes. Help us, oh Lord, that we show mercy on somebody else. Father, do not judge us the way we have judged people in our previous years. But today, O oh Lord, we surrender, we submit ourselves under thy precious hand. We ask you, Lord, that you will show mercy over our life. And we will be people that shows mercy on others. Fathers, in our, in our employment, in our offices, we will show mercy on people who have been bad to us. Father, in our schools and colleges, we'll show mercy on them who have been bad, who have been talking bad about us. But Father, help us, O Lord, that this season of our life, this season of our life, this season of our life, that we change our hearts, that we will be a person filled with the mercy of heaven, the mercy of God. How great is our God.